When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listening to the Career Musician Podcast with creator and host Nomad. With 20 plus years of experience in the music industry, Nomad has done just about everything to earn a living as a career musician. From being music director to celebrity artists, playing iconic arenas and stadiums, composing for film and TV, and even playing your average local club gigs, he's done it all. Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music. On this episode of the Career Musician Podcast, we have award-winning composer Suna Veermeyer. Originally from the Netherlands, she resided in Los Angeles and did quite a few internships as well, went solo on her own, and then ended up in the UK where she resides now composing for Shira and the Princess of Power and Spirit Rising. Writing Free Ponytails, both DreamWorks streaming series. In addition, her vocal stylings are featured in the Hunger Games projects Catching Fire and Mockingjay while she was working with James Newton Howard. She also discusses the realities of becoming a real composer while out here in Los Angeles attending the UCLA Extension Program. And trust me, she has accomplished this goal. For more information, of her credits, check out IMDb as well as her website, both listed in the show description notes. And without further ado, here is the talented Suna Viermeyer. Suna. 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 Yes, yes. Okay. I am not even going to attempt your last name. <laughs> that seems a general <laughs> consent. So please enlighten us. Viermeyer. Viermeyer. Viermeyer, okay. yes. When you hear it, it's much easier to latch on to versus when you just see the spelling. Yeah, I know. There's some bu- yeah. random H's in there that, you know, <laughs> you don't expect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you are quite the composer with uh, a long list of projects that you have worked on and accolades and, you know, uh, including the nomination uh, most recently. Or is this, or am I looking, the Emmy nomination, yes. The Annie, well, the Annie, Annie yeah. nomination was very recent, yes, yes. Right, okay, there you go. Well, amazing to have you on the Career Musician Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Absolutely. As we just discussed, uh, I believe you are a true superwoman with three young children, uh, a composition career, and a studio that you're building. I mean, wow, you're juggling. <laughs> yeah, definitely juggling. <laughs> dropping, <laughs> dropping lots of balls, don't worry. <laughs> Uh, well, you're crushing a lot of them too. So I think it all goes hand in hand. Absolutely. And we met through Derek Jones over at Megatracks. That's right. That's right. Right. So thank you, Derek, for that. Okay. I have a, a few questions that I like to go through, you know, for the, each episode. And it varies as we go and per the guest. But basically, I just want this to be a fun conversation about you and your love of music and how 
you first got bit by the bug, the music bug, you know? Talk a little bit about your history and what that was like. Well, um, should I, st- <laughs> where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, so I you're from four. the Netherlands. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm from the Netherlands, yes. Um, Which I mean, is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is awesome, actually. <laughs> yes, I love being Dutch. It's great. I can say all kinds of stuff and just blame it on being Dutch. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely started, I mean, dicking around for lack of a better, you know, yeah. word um, at the piano at a young age, just coming up with little tunes. And I mean, I never thought I would actually do this as a living before I moved to LA at 23. Um, I studied composition um, in the Netherlands, but also because I didn't really know what else to do. I never thought I could actually be a composer <laughs> until I set foot in LA and just smelled the air and was really inspired by everybody around me. But, um, but That's yeah, amazing. The, the music bug was definitely... I mean, being from the Netherlands is great because it's a great country, but I mean, there's a reason probably there's no word for film scoring. You know, it's untranslated, like scoring a film, like the verb doesn't exist because there's not that much made. And I felt very, I didn't fit in at the compositions because nobody liked John Williams. Nobody liked Alan Silvestri. Nobody liked Melody. That was just not the thing to do. And I love all those things. That's what I, you know, (laughs) that's what I live for. So I, I never really fitted in, like I said, until until I went to LA and found so many people who felt the same. So I think uh, wow. I, I'm very happy I went and stayed for a long time. Well, that's awesome because us Americans, you know, we're oftentimes we can be so single-minded. So it's nice to have people from other parts of the world come in and bring different perspectives and newfound appreciation for the, the craft itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I love, I love the American view on film and music. You know, I think, and I, it suits me much better than the, the the continental sound. You know, that's great. It's, yeah, did you have a did you have a primary instrument that you were always uh, you know more drawn to growing up and in school? Or, um, I mean, I play piano. Uh, that's my you know. The thing is, I wouldn't call myself a pianist. It's the thing that I play to, to use to compose on. Um, I used to play guitar when I was younger, 16 and stuff, but I, I know it's, it's not something I ever, it, I guess it wasn't really my thing. I mean, piano is still my go-to thing. I, I like to sort of mess around on instruments, but I, and yeah. someone, I think someone said one, the, the worse musician you are, the better composer you are. They probably said that because they were a terrible musician themselves. <laughs> I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't. I don't play much for fun, if that makes sense. I, I compose I, for fun, you know. Absolutely. You know, I had a similar conversation with John Powell. Um, I've worked with him on several films, and on one of the breaks, one time <laughs> on a lunch break, I said, "Hey, John, can I catch catch a quick podcast?" And you know, he was so nice to to agree. Um, and I was talking to him about that. I said, "Hey, man, you know, sometimes I feel like I." Uh, you know, I'm a fraud because I can dabble in this and that. I could do a lot of different things, but I never mastered one thing. And he said, very similar to what you said, he said, you know what? No, you, you kind of have to be, you know, a master of some. You, you, you know, you can't be master of one. You have to be, you know, jack of all trades, master of some. That's right. And I think, I think that's really sums up what composers do, right? I think so. Yeah. I mean... I guess especially because it's not just composing what we have to do. We have to be creative and, you know, arranging and all this technical stuff and, uh, you know, all kinds of new writing for new instruments that you would have never dreamed of ever using, you know. Right. Yeah, including weird as, you know, hammer dulcimers and stuff that you don't. You don't, you don't really learn much about them when you're 18 in school. You know, that's what you're saying. You, it's then that's the fun, the fun. I think that's what's fun of it, that maybe you would write something that's not even possible, but again, you'll find that out, you know? Right. When you right. give the guy a part, he's like, yeah, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It doesn't work. But then, but then again, even sometimes when you create those parts that are impossible to play, that's fun too, because it's a, a whole unique sound, right? Yeah, and you know, you can always let it be synth bells or whatever. I'm a big fan of synth bells. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> try to put synth bells in everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
That's awesome. You know, one of the things you said just a minute ago when you first arrived in LA and you realized, oh shoot, I really can do this. I can be a composer because initially you thought perhaps you couldn't. Can you expound on that? Because I think a lot of people can relate to that, especially especially the, the ones who are aspiring to do what you do. Right. It's so weird to look back on. Um, so I did the UCLA extension program, film scoring program, also just, you know, something to do and obviously for a visa so I could stay in LA, all that fun stuff. Um, but it's like every, it's not, it's not even that you have to do one of those classes to learn. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I felt I had all that stuff in me, but it was never, I, I never knew how to get it out. So mostly by the friends that I made that I, I, you know, I looked up how, how did it stuff, how did they, how they got it into the, DAW and how they got it on paper everything just started to make sense to me you know and uh, yeah it's a combination of all those things um, sure the classes help but also meeting composers and, and being around them and, and getting to score little shitty short films and just actually doing it you know uh, I think all those things together all contributed to yeah this this dream becoming you know an, an actual like living dream like okay yeah i'm doing this you know and i started off doing free uh, or you know working for free doing internships and you know getting getting a sandwich for jim dooley and you know uh, all that you know all that stuff all that silly stuff not having a place to to sit sort of standing in the hallway at remote control just you know being invisible, being out the way, not not being in anybody's way, and and sure. basically sucking it all up and seeing seeing everything I had to see or whatever. Well, you, you crushed it. You did it, and you're doing it, and it's amazing. So, yeah, that's that's great. You know, it's great to everybody else looking and, and say, "Wow, it, it is achievable." Yeah, yeah, it is achievable. I mean, um, I guess fairly soon. I never. Uh, like not become a composer, not doing it was never an option. Just like you know, as as a foreigner, you have uh, you have to do a lot of crap with the whole visa thing that I mentioned. It's just you know, it's expensive. You need to get lawyers. It's a faff. Uh, and there were a few moments where I wasn't sure. You know, it wasn't looking great. But going back was never an option. I just never considered it to be an option. And weirdly, I always felt that that helped. I always thought like if I really start focus, focusing on the worry and all that stuff, that is just a distraction from the goal, if, if you know what I mean. Yes, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right, right? So <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, it's like if you believe I can do this, then you can do it. If you believe, oh, I can't do this, well, then that's going to happen too. So uh, that's what I get from a lot of the guests. Everybody's saying there is no plan B, and I always live my life the same way. And, and I love it. That's... There's no plan B. We just got to do it. Like you say, suck it up. Yeah, there is no, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, I guess I've never said it like that. I have no plan B. That's quite a, but that's true. There is no, I still don't have a plan B. And now I have three that's small right. children who, you know, want stuff like food and stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They're going to grow up to be little protégés. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll have them uh, fix my rig when they're, when they're eight. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, this is great. So, okay, so the UCLA Extension Program, it really helped you put the, the thought and the concept into action. And then what, what was the trajectory after that? Did, you know, you're, you're interning and you're studying. How did it all build up? Uh, yeah, so a few internships. I ended up at Chris Young because everybody at some point in their life ends up at Christopher Young. Uh, <laughs> I was there for a few movies and... Um, and then I did the ASCAP film scoring workshop. So again, you know, more, more people, more places, more inspiration and inspiring people. Um, and then that summer I got a, I just responded to a Craigslist ad, ad for someone looking for a composer, which was Mark Streitenfeld, which is a job I got as an assistant. So uh, we did Robin Hood and Prometheus and I was there for a few years and then just to the point that I was, you know, not burnt out, but pretty tired from, you know, 
working 24 hours. Yeah, not 24 hours a day, but you know, it's seven days a week. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's an intense gig at that stage. Uh, But then I ended up at James Newton Howard um, for years, which was which was amazing. That was the best possible place to to end up to you know to leave being an assistant because that's the last place that I did you know who who I did that for. Um, and I got to write on a bunch of films. He was always very fair and giving cue sheets and credits. It was just it's great. He has a very small you know group. A uh, small team, and uh, I mean, he obviously has you on your toes, but it's J and H, so that's fair enough. It was it was great. I've learned so much from him. He he has a very similar way of his 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 process is very similar. His brain works. He writes very quick, and I write very fast. I've always done that, um, which is not always a good thing, but that's just how how I work. Um, I'm I'm similar. I can relate to that. Really. I like- I like moving quickly. Do you do you commit or do you go back and, and analyze after you write it? No, I don't. I don't analyze. No, no. Same here. I just commit and keep going. Right? Yeah. It's like it's like oh, I, it's I, done. I, that's it. I know. I've done it. Yes. That's it. And I, I mean, I, I think I think the good thing about that is is going with an instant gut feeling, and don't faff because I I do do that. You know, I do go with the guts. Like this is what it needs. The only time I'll go back and change is obviously when it's requested by a director or a producer. Obviously, I will change it. Of course. But uh, yeah, I think that's part of, you know. I love it. It's perfect. It's perfect. So uh, where are we now? So this is 2014. So um, that's when I had my first baby. And then I I think I I stayed for a few more months at James. And then, well, I left, started for myself because not really a job you can do with a small baby uh it's not like there's you know rooms to pump breast milk at james newton howard studios you know (laughs) i mean i did it anyway but (laughs) it's a little a little strange yeah so um and then i basically found myself a manager and just did a million demos and i at some point got a got a show so that's amazing okay so that is again very encouraging because it can be done. What I always like to say, especially to the younger aspiring generations, you know, trust the fact that you put in the time. You did all the prep, you studied your craft, you've been working on it. Now just be confident in that, take the necessary steps and it'll happen. And that's what you did. Yeah, and doing a million demos is 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 just part of it. And it's unfortunately what we'll have to do. I mean, I guess John Williams right. doesn't have to do that, but if unless you're John Williams, you you know the demoing yeah. stage is just just like actors need to audition. You know, it's just um, that's right. And you will do a lot before you get a gig. And I still I still do them, and I get rejected all the time. It feels great. <laughs> ah. No, it doesn't feel great at all. Wow. But it's just yeah, yeah. it's it's just how it is. You know, it's just part of it. That is so so true. And so important for everybody to remember. Like you said, it keeps us on our toes. Yeah. And I, you can't really dwell in it either. You know, I, I got a huge bummer recently, you know, and uh, it was very close to a very cool thing. And then, well, some other composer became available because of the pandemic. So if the coronavirus wouldn't be there, I would be scoring something very cool. So that didn't happen. So I just said to my husband, who's also a composer, you know, I'm going to give myself a day to mourn this. And then Good. tomorrow, you know, chin up and let's move on. And something else will come. That's, that's awesome. See, I love how you, 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 you know, you put it in a little box. You said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit to it and then move on. That's great. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't think you have to completely ignore the way you feel about something. Sure. It's a bummer, you know, and, uh, but, Again, dwelling on it, there's there's, there's no, not much point to it either. So right, very similar to this concept that you're talking about. How about when you submit, especially when you're submitting for a pitch, you're trying to get it. I always like to say, submit and forget. Literally, once you hit the send button, forget that you did it. Right? Or because otherwise, you drive yourself nuts thinking, "Oh my gosh, I want." <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's this place in my brain it's sort of a back shelf in my brain where it lives <laughs> and it's sort of like if i didn't hear anything for a week i'm you know text my managers like is it did you check in yet did you hear anything and obviously she hasn't otherwise she would have told me 
So yeah, it, it lives it lives very small, sort of in my brain, but some I completely forget about. And then because I use this demoing program where you can see that people listen or you can see that people download. So obviously, if it gets downloaded and listened to, that's great. But sometimes I spend hours and hours on something and no one will ever listen to it, which is very sad. <laughs> <laughs> it is frustrating. Oh God! But it's again. It's like okay. Well, there you go. All the pitfalls of the job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just part of it. Yeah. That's that's the whole. That's the whole package. That's the rea- that's the real reality of it. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind, talk a little bit about your process. Do you um, do you do full mockups in the box, as we say? I know you use Cubase. You mentioned. Um, do you do the full mockup and then send it off? Uh, you know, for for transcribing and everything, or, or to your copies. Or how do you like to work? Um, well, like the shows that I'm doing or have finished, um, like Shira and, and Spirit. Uh, that's all. That's all in the box. The only thing I have recorded for that is guitar, uh, and then on Shira my own vocals, which I just do here. Did I record anything else? I don't think the occasional source cue, a couple of things, but no, it's it's it mostly it's it's in the box. So. You know, awesome. it's in the beginning, I just come up with, uh, you know, a template and sounds and add t- to, you know, to it throughout the first, you know, however many, awesome. yeah, many episodes. And, and speaking of your vocals, uh, I love the fact that you are like the featured vocalist on Catching Fire, uh, The Hunger Games. Right. Yeah. And the other two, the Mockingjay ones. Yeah, that was Mockingjay. So the whole series, the whole aside Hunger from Games the series. first one, aside from the first one, that was before my time. But yeah, and that was very random. Um, yeah. How? Uh, so that was in a time when I worked for James, and he was doing Catching Fire, and he wrote this really lovely cue, and he put this solo sample on on it, which sounded awful. So I just thought one morning I'll go in the office like really early. I think I got there at seven a.m. before he got in. I'll, I thought I'll just record myself, replace the sample, so he has a better placeholder. Uh, just to just to be eager beaver, you know. And yeah. never in a million years expected him to say, "Oh, that's great, I'll keep that." And like, well, what do you mean you'll keep it? He's like for now, I was like, no, no, we can put that in the movie. <laughs> I my jaw dry. I just couldn't believe it. I really thought because he because he was looking into all kinds of fancy singers. I mean, it's still, and then, yeah, and, and I got it to do it again on the, the mocking. I mean, that actual recording of me that morning that I recorded myself, that's what's in the movie. That's just Don't insane. you love that? That goes, that speaks to the same thing of just doing it quickly, getting it done, and committing. <laughs> well, yeah, th- yeah, yeah, I know. I guess maybe because it was so m- me, you know, I guess so, yeah, yeah like, like you say, that came from the gut, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. Was he nonchalant about it? Was he like, oh yeah, that sounds great, I'll keep it? Or was he excited, a little bit excitable? Or was he kind of, you know? Um, I mean, I don't think he would ever be too excited because I was still his assistant. He didn't want me to make me feel too good about myself, obviously. Right. But then, and then he said That's many awesome. times after that, uh, you know, how happy he was with it. And even okay. that uh, he came to, to our wedding and he did a, <laughs> a speech. Because I guess that was just after Catching Fire or something. And he said how... He told the story how, from his point of view, how he was worried that he had no idea who to get for the singer. And then <laughs> out of the blue, I had done it already, basically. Uh, so that was very, awesome. very kind of him to say. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. That's incredible. Hi, I'm Sunavir Meyer. I'm a composer and you're listening to the Career Musician Podcast. In the music industry, there are so many avenues to travel. Join host Nomad as he dives into the crazy world of entertainment, going behind the scenes to gain insider knowledge of how to maintain a healthy career in the music business. You're listening to the Career Musician Podcast by Nomad. All right, and then, like you said, you mentioned, look, you're your your catalog of work speaks for itself it's beautiful all the listeners can go to your website and to imdb uh, imdb uh but you also mentioned you know the last two shows that you've been working on in the box which are shira and spirit yes so can you talk a little bit about the actual reality of of landing a tv show a recurring series or you know streaming whatever 
And what's what's the timeline like? It's very, I know from experience, but I want for the listeners to know, it's very uh, time crunching. <laughs> how do you how do you manage that? And do you you know without divulging too much, but you know what kind of a workflow do you put yourself on? schedule wise and- right so so the good thing about those two shows that it's both dreamworks so it's um you know both shows had a similar execution you know the way they did everything um so basically it's it's two weeks for an episode to write version one you know so it's it's spotting if you spot the episode on the friday two weeks later version one is due and then um you know i guess then you have a week for version two and then a few more days version three and then possibly the last couple of tweaks for version four which you just deliver with the mix by Derek Jones obviously that's how he said Derek at the beginning Derek has mixed all all my shows oh that's great okay amazingly and um yes he's amazing at that yeah absolutely so that gets delivered to to the stand but the thing is when these V's version twos and threes are happening you're already on your next version one so there's a there's always an episode you're starting, when you're finishing, and when you're fixing. So that's sort of the thing when it becomes slightly challenging. So at, at some point, I'll have my assistant do small tweaks because there's no reason for me to open whole sequence, you know, make one swell a bit bigger and print that. That's not, you know, there's no point in uh, in that. Um, and I, I, in the beginning, I got like some actual rewrite writes, but I, you know, once you sort of have everything down, you, I, I never really got proper rewrites. Rewrites? Jesus, I can't say the word. Uh, so then it, it was just tweaking stuff, you know. Things are a little too intense. Things are not quite intense enough. Or we don't like the sound of this tiggy bell or whatever. Uh, you know, in Shira, I always try to put my trumpets in. And they always like, can you take, t- <laughs> can you take those high horns out? Um Oh wow! So so you'd put them in, but you'd get requests to remove them. Yeah, the I mean, <laughs> I would always try. Half the time, I think they were requested to be taken out. But yeah, uh, yeah no, I just I just like my trumpets, I guess. Um, yeah, that's cool. Well, that's sort of yeah. I mean, I got I get to score against finished picture, finished animation, so that's nice. There's no, you know, nice. no editing to be done or whatever. No one's changing the picture. It's all locked, so that's very helpful, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that's that's. Basically. That's amazing. That's great. That's great. All right. So I'm going to rewind for a quick second. When you were when you were in LA in the big studios and whether you're even in the beginning, especially you're interning and I know it, you have to be a fly on the wall. I would say eyes and ears, uh, wide open, mouth shut, right? Right. But as we progress and you get, you know, you go up the ladder in your career now, you know, you're doing great. You have your own studio. Talk about studio etiquette because I feel like a lot of the again, I'll say it, the aspiring generation uh, missed out on the big studio days when there's, you know, a bunch of people in the room, you know, working on the same project. Hmm. And studio etiquette is a real thing, right? You know, you don't want to speak out of turn, but you also want to be confident and let everybody know that, you know, you know why you're there and you know how to handle it. Right. I mean, just so I know which studio, like, for instance, at James Newton Howard, if we were doing, you know, Maleficent and Angelina, Angelina Jolie came over and sat in the room and gave her notes. I won't be saying anything. <laughs> I will be shutting the fuck up, you know. <laughs> just there you go. That's exactly what I'm trying to get across. Yes. <laughs> hitting stop and, you know, record and, you know, making notes and. That's yeah. the only thing I'll be doing, you know, same with, uh, you know, After Earth, Will Smith and. M. Night Shyamalan, yeah, no, I won't be saying anything. Unless, obviously, they start a conversation and are being polite to, you know, ask me something, which I'll then politely give a short answer to. Yeah. Right. See, I I believe that's so important. (laughs) I'm glad you said it. I mean, I think think you just need to know, learn about your own ego and when to basically, you know... Man, I'm not sure what the right word is, but there's there's no in in a room like that. There's no place for my ego in that in that moment at the time. And funny enough, now I now now I have assistants. Now I sort of understand that better because yes, you know, 
Yeah, because if they speak up at when they shouldn't, you're kind of thinking to yourself, oh, shit, would you just shut up, please? Yeah, and this actually, yeah. I mean, I guess that happened when I was still in L.A. and, and brought an assistant who worked for me very briefly. Very nice guy, but it didn't work out. But he, you know, brought him to the spotting session to basically take notes. And we're starting asking all these questions. Like, oh, can you just stop and can I just get the time code? And I'm like, okay, yes. that's that's no, 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 that's that's not the time and place. Like, we don't want to waste their time, so we just need to write down what they say and not ask, not ask all these questions. Yeah, so it was. It's interesting. I guess I find it interesting to have that whole shift from being on that side to now being on this side, and and now things just make more sense sometimes about how I was sometimes treated. I mean, not. I mean, I always treat everybody very fairly. Just so you know, I always give out cue sheets, and I, I never shout at anyone. Absolutely not. And I've been shouted at many times in the early years. Um, sometimes, I, mean, I guess, sometimes maybe they were right. You know, I just <laughs> fucked up. So, so that's yeah. And I think it's okay to to it, like you said, check your ego. Just know that you are gonna fuck up sometimes, and it's okay. It's yeah, we all uh, yeah. go through it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean that's that's how Yeah, that's how that's how you learn unfortunately. And I guess, you know, with people who work for me, they're going to mess up and that's how they learn and, you know, that that that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right, shifting gears, I do want to tell you aside from your talent, your music is beautiful, by the way. I mean, your your scoring, everything is just amazing. Thank you. And you have the website to match it. Your website looks just as good as your music. So in other words, my point is you have a great presentation. And as you were saying earlier, you do a lot of demos to get the work. And then once you get the work, the ball rolls. But you still have a great platform to put all of your work on display. My point, let's talk about business acumen. I do feel like some of what we have to do is have a sense of marketing for ourselves and for our work which so oftentimes goes against the very beings that we are as creatives. Right. We don't give a shit about showing, oh, look, look what I made. You know, we don't care. Like, we just want to create, right? We want to be in our own creative bubble, but it's a dichotomy and you've, you've done a great job. So uh, can you shed some light on that, you know? Uh oh gosh. Um I know it's it's I'm asking annoying questions. <laughs> no, that's fine. I guess I'm just thinking. It's one of those things that you know, whenever I need to like add a track or add a credit or do anything to the website, I it's I basically have to shoot myself for it. I mean, it's, I it's it's such an annoying thing and it sounds so dramatic, but you know, I don't I'm I'm not going to whoever does did the website uh I'm not going to say, say to them, "Can you put this on?" because I Typing the email is just as long as doing it myself, you know. In the end, I want, I want, yeah. In the end, I want to decide, you know, uh, which thumbnail and and which uh, MP3 I want to put on there. And just like with demos, I just do them myself because I, that's uh, you know, I guess I just want it yeah. done a certain way or whatever. And that's the controlling nature of composers, which is <laughs> not useful at all. Um, yeah, it's a pain in the ass, but it's necessary. I guess it's, it's basically what you, what you already what you already said. It's, it's the same thing with uh, well, thing adding credits to IMDb. I guess happens automatically now, so that's nice. People, you know, whoever does the show is adding it. So I guess that's that's different from ten years ago where I had to do that myself. You had to go in, yeah. But the other aspects of the business acumen, you know, like you said, you have a manager and knowing when and how to delegate. That's just as important. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, obviously, like hiring someone to help, you know, well, it costs money and stuff. So obviously, if you're very early in your own, in your career, that's not an option. But um, um, I think when we got when I got the second show, I hired someone because I also was I pregnant. I mean, I'm always pregnant when I get a show. It's a weird thing. So. <laughs> I always think about which show it is. Like, did I just have my second baby? Um, so yeah, I just—I I mean, I wasn't gonna. Like, I—I I, I do, can't do the whole seven days a week with small babies, and I wasn't gonna do that. So, I decided relatively early on, I'm not gonna do my own stems. You know, I'm not gonna okay. stuff like that. Um, 
I mean, I still always listen to the mixes that Derek did. And um, do you have the your assistants come into your studio, or do you send it out to them? No. So I well, it was a bit different in LA um, because most of the time I was I was in LA, and then um, so I worked from home. My husband. So we had two studios at home, and then the assistant came to our house as well. So now we're in England. So now we have one um, studio at home here in in the countryside. And nice. one in town, so one of us will work there. Oh, one of us, and the assistant is in town, basically. And and then I had a remote assistant in LA until recently, which we've now stopped because it um, well, it's easier to just do it here and you know, do it fa sure. face to face, I guess. Yeah. Was I was that the question? I don't <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And sometimes uploading and downloading large files, that's in and of itself, that's just a drag, you know. Yeah, but then again, we all work from Dropbox, so we're all accessing yeah. the same stuff, which is which is very oh, handy. Really? Yeah, there's no there's not really I mean, unless you didn't switch your computer on and Dropbox has to sync for an hour, that's really annoying. But um right. yeah, this is I mean, surprisingly, having had the assistance in LA with me being here for a while. It worked surprisingly well just by, you know, I guess I was surprised that that, that worked because we left a rig there. You know, it's, it's yeah. I mean, it is fascinating how that just works. Isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, you know what? One thing with Dropbox that really helps is smart sync. So now all the files don't have to be downloaded to each hardware computer. Right? That's right. They can live in the cloud and that makes it a lot more convenient. You know, because I know uh, a lot of times our hard drives just get jammed up and then it's too much information. And you're like, wait a minute, I just bought 200 terabytes. How can I be out of room already? Uh, you know? Tell me about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, very cool. Okay. So, and then you said a little bit more about your workflow, Cubase as your primary platform? Yeah, so Cubase is primary and then I always use Ableton um, Rewire which is something I picked up from, from James Newton Howard. He does that in the beginning. I thought, what is this strange piece of software? You know, whenever I started there nine years ago or whatever it was. Um, but now I can't live without it. And and often um, I will have, like if I start a new show, like She-Ra, I had someone basically make sounds for me. So make loops. I'll, I'll say, can you make, you know, some raw synth arpeggiate whatever just name, name something just to not have to use omnisphere and stuff that sounds the same as everybody else just to have some go-to percussion stuff or ticks or you know fun yeah. stuff or you know whooshes and swells yes all of those um <clears throat> things and, and ableton is so easy because you can just you know it, it sings to your tempo and it's, yeah quick. it's yeah. it's it's great I, I i love it and then i um video runs in pro tools basically yeah. um yeah. that's it yeah and i have v pro that's where i have all my uh all my samples awesome awesome i think uh something for the listeners who might not know something for them to be aware of is creating sample libraries if you will for a new project is a common practice. I know I did a, um, a sample library. I was a part of a sample library collection for uh, Kung Fu Panda, mm. where I played the, uh, the Chinese mandolin, the pipa. Uh, and, and it was with John Powell and, and Hans Zimmer. So we, we had, there was a group of us, I think there were six of us, you know, and we just played all through the, the instruments so they can get the various uh, tonalities. And I think that that is, that's, a big part of the process, right? Yeah, getting your sounds exactly because I think sounds can be very inspiring. You know, new sounds. Uh, right. and I think as, as soon as you have access to, it can be existing libraries because the thing is, there's so many out there, and there's so many obscure little things that people recorded. Yeah. So you, you know, if you don't have the means to have, you know, to pay for a you <laughs> or whatever. Just for any aspiring people out there, there is so much. And the thing is, because there's so much, uh, the the way we all use it will always be different from each other. That's what I think. You know, if 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 you and I are given the same packs, you're going to do something completely different with it than I would do. And that's why I'm always, you know, like I always think like there's enough for everybody out there. You know, like yes, it's very strong competition, but there's there's so much work and there's 
you know, even though we have all access to the same sounds, we will sound different from each other. And you know, I, I I'm not not that obsessed with being the most original ever sounding composer because I think whatever I will do will will fit the picture the way I see it. You know, in your unique way. In my yes. unique way, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, my my question to rap was going to be words of wisdom, and I think you just nailed it. That's it. Because I, I do believe a lot of us, we, it could be discouraging because, you know, there's a, a, a giant amount of supply and perhaps not as much demand. But the way you just portrayed it is really brilliant. There you go. <laughs> so everybody's unique. And even if you're given the same set of tools, it's going to be different, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think... I Gosh, I can't remember. I read this in the book once also. It's like, oh, you know, but everybody has scored like this, uh, something like this before. It's like, oh, it's not been done by you, you know. Yeah, it's just like whoever is out there thinking like, oh, but, you know, John Williams going to do it much better. This, the job's going to go to him. I, I don't know why I keep referring to John Williams, by the way. It's just, <laughs> sure, it's just one of them. One of many. It's yeah. like, you know what? It's not, been do it's not been done by you yet. I think if you just sort of Tell yourself that to think it, you know, can lift yourself up, I suppose. It's not been done by you yet. I like that. That's great. That's it. I'm holding on to that one. That's good. <laughs> Maybe I'll write it down for my children so I have one sensible thing to say to them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, would you mind if we do some rapid fire questions just for fun real quick? Oh, yeah. You're not going to get anything sensible, but go for it. <laughs> okay. Your favorite food. Oh, Jesus. Uh, oh, my God. Is it tapas? Tapas. Love it. Favorite libation? It favorite what? Fancy drink. Favorite, favorite adult beverage? Oh, adult beverage. Um, uh, oh, Jesus. See, I'm rubbish. I'm, ah! I mean, I'm a, I love beer. I'm a beer drinker. I like beer. Oh, see, I was, I was going to say beer because really? you're Dutch. Yeah, there you <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, any particular, like a darker stout or a, a lighter, you know, lager? Or? I like lager and pilsner. Very cool. All right. Are you into sports? Favorite sport? Uh, darts. <laughs> darts. That's cool. Hey, it's perfect to play at the pub. Yeah, with, I know. <laughs> with there you lager. go. With the beer and the darts. Oh, God, I know. Okay. This next question, please don't be offended. But assuming you had any, how do you spend your free time? <laughs> <laughs> how do I spend my free time? Um, aside from hanging out with my children, which is the politically correct answer, is uh, I, I, I'm a really boring person. I like boring things such as reading a book or binging a series or walking oh, fun. or even the occasional puzzle. Though lately, well, the other day I did one and then realized... This is an absolute pointless exercise. And then I sort of, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm off it for a moment because I make this thing yeah, and then I put it back in the box. What the hell? It gives your, your brain time to formulate and think and relax in a different way, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. exactly. As I, that it's sort of mind numbing and just, uh, I mean, I love to yes. watch absolute piss on TV, just yeah. ridiculousness. And I just started a vegetable yeah. garden. So there you go. Oh, very nice. Mm. I am like, I'm like an eight eight year old woman, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. What activities do you enjoy on long flights besides sleeping? Um, long flight. Well, again, I usually have a bouncy small person on my lap, but if I don't oh, have one of oh, those on a long flight, because they they'll definitely eat up hours. That's right. Um, well, you know, just thinking about death or. <laughs> That's yeah. a good one, right? yeah. I spent a lot of time thinking about death, thinking about life, and I'm thinking about death again. I was surprised. Does nobody else always think about death? <laughs> I, I don't like to fly, so it, it, it comes across my mind. Mean, I've flown my whole life, obviously, being a musician, but I'm like, well, what would happen? It sucks. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, I guess I try to then watch a movie, not to constantly think go. about death. Yeah, there you go. All right, what's the latest piece of music that you've listened to that you haven't worked on? Piece of music as in a score or a song? Anything, or? score, band, artist, whatever. Uh, well, 
my friend I know, it's, a tough one. it's a very tough one yeah because i don't have loads of time to listen to music uh my friend recommended someone called i think his name is gregory porter he's a, a singer and i listened to some songs and they were amazing this was this was like yesterday that's why i might have gotten the name. it's definitely gregory and i think it was porter but i also <laughs> sometimes will say his name was actually you know john <laughs> Harris, <laughs> I sometimes <laughs> mess names up, but yeah, it all blurs together. It all blurs together. Yeah. All right. Uh, TV show or movie that you've been streaming lately? You mentioned sometimes you do that. Uh, yeah, I watched Little Fires Everywhere, which I thought was really uh-huh. good, and I just watched. I mean, this was in the UK. It's called Normal People, and I don't know if this aired. And Killing Eve, of course, which I think in the US is very big as well, isn't it? I'm not sure. I'm on, yeah, I'm on, bi- I'm on billions right now from Showtime. So. Yeah, I, I haven't watched that yet. That's cool. Es- Eskimo does the score. So I like, I like listening to his uh, use of space. He does, you know, it's very, very sparse. I like that. So anyway. Yeah. All right. Shopping online or brick and mortar? Of course, sans pandemic. Oh, definitely online. Yeah, I, I guess so, because you're so busy, yeah. So busy, and I I, I have a one-store. I, I always, when I find, I, I cannot do shops very, I mean, I'm not good at it. I get overwhelmed. Yeah. I can't yeah. decide. I just stand there, waste time, and then I'm obsessing about wasting time. <laughs> I can't find anything. <laughs> no, but then I also waste a lot of time with online <laughs> shopping, but yeah, no. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. There's like this thing about indecisiveness that kills me sometimes. I feel like I'm so indecisive. I just want to strangle myself. What the heck, you know? <laughs> All right, so uh, a dream collaboration. You've collaborated with many greats. Do you have a dream collaboration that hasn't happened that you think, oh, this would be fun? You mean with another composer or for like a movie yeah, or any, whatever? Anybody. I don't care if it's Freddie Mercury from Queen. Anybody, dead or alive. Well, you spoke about Hunger Games earlier, so um, so Francis Lawrence is the director on that, and I absolutely, I loved, like, you know, watching him come in, how he dealt with the film, I loved how he dealt with the composer, uh, right. I loved everything about it, and I loved the films that he made, he is such a nice person, I would love to score one of his films. Nice. Well, see, we're, put, we're putting it into the universe right now. There you go. Yeah. Are you listening? <laughs> yeah. That's right. And finally, what would you do if you weren't a career musician? Um, a pastry chef. Ah. Now that sounds yummy. <laughs> yeah. Pardon the pun. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would definitely be eating all of it as well. No, I, uh, yeah, I love, um, I, yeah, I like, I like baking and stuff like that i guess that was another another hobby that i like to do in free time i'm just doing less of it now because now one of those small people i mentioned wants to help and ruins takes all the fun away (laughs) 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 oh sorry mommy i dropped the egg i I could speak from experience in a few years they're going to be great at it my daughter is a little master baker now so it's yeah, she's twelve. It's taken some years to get there, but now she's doing great. So, well, I look a few forward more to years. That. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's good. I look forward to that. Now it's it's just you know five, three, and nine months. I guess you can't expect much from them, can you? Wow. Let, I'll say it again, Suna. Uh, so, sorry, Sona. You are the personification of Wonder Woman in a composer. I love it. You're very kind. You're very kind. It's uh, yeah. I'm not not sharing all my low moments here, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, but seriously, to have three kids, you know, a husband, three kids, and to compose at the capacity to which you are is definitely so impressive. Uh, oh, last thing. So you bake cookies, pies, cakes, pastries. What's your favorite uh, genre within? Well, I'm a big... I love well, breads, bread and cake, I guess. I love baking oh, bread and, uh, and cakes. And when's Christmas, I make like fancy chocolates with interesting fillings and all that stuff oh, nice. yeah in dutch you call them bonbons that's it's very in in, in in holland and belgium they're very very common and um so there you go that's what i do and then i hand, oh. hand them out oh that's so sweet that's awesome well i wish i lived in the uk to get some of those <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah next time i'm over <laughs> i'll bring some <laughs> yeah that'll be awesome yeah 
Well, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it and for sharing your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. The goal of the Career Musician Podcast is to provide valuable insight aimed at supporting working musicians. Please show your support by listening, downloading, subscribing, sharing, liking, and leaving a review. The Career Musician Facebook group encourages musicians to share both their victories and trials with one another. Join the conversation at the Career Musician Facebook group today. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man Writing the songs in this one-man band A nomad Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast, and I am thoroughly stoked to be an official member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Pantheon Podcast Network is the first of its kind as an all-music-based podcast collective. Please be sure to check us out at pantheonpodcast.com for more info. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.